All right, I see some picture. All right. Hey, there we go. All right, we are live. We are live. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 283, your once weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff, and we've got a guest host beside me. Hello. <laughs> Thank you uh, so much for having me. You're welcome. I uh, I want to I want to apologize in advance for the uh, the lower quality co-host we have this uh, this evening, but uh, I will try my best. You obviously haven't seen any of John's shows, so it, it's totally. <laughs> All right, let's get it. Awesome. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, sometimes some Star Trek. All Super Chats are run in the air, so long as they won't permanently demonetize the channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if we're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat, and we'll give some early show shoutouts as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the Super Secret Chat and the even more Super Secret After Party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, heck, maybe I'll even give Brett an invite, and uh, join the awesome community that hangs out over there <laughs> thank you thank you for joining the show yeah absolutely i um i'm excited about uh talking something other than uh and dealing with a baby and talking about baby stuff dude so <laughs> let's uh let's talk some tech that's right yeah you you uh you're very recent into the the fatherhood thing aren't you it it is about six weeks uh, into it at this point. That's fantastic. And I can. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's uh, the firmware on these things. They're uh, they're quite buggy. <laughs> yes. I don't know when they get updated. Who updates them? But man, uh, I will tell you, dude. Yeah. They, uh, I I have three kids, ages uh, eighteen months through ten years, and uh, let me tell you the. The bugs that get introduced with new updates and new revisions and, and oh, they are. I'm sure they're great. Th there's a reason IT guys keep a bottle of scotch in, in the drawer beside them. And uh, let me tell you, kids are no different. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I believe that. I'm only six weeks in. And, oh, boy. But just like IT, kids are the best thing I've ever done with my life. So... Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, that's, that's what I'm clinging to right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ho hopefully uh, the next Patch Tuesday go goes equally as well for you. So. <laughs> I sure hope so. We're, we're, we're waiting for that, um, for them to introduce that sleep through the night update. Right, right. That's, ooh, I can't wait for that one. So That's going to be a big one. So just like Windows, yours is still randomly waking up when it shouldn't. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. About every uh, two to three hours. Y so. Your alarm goes off, goes off at 6 a.m. and you're like, I thought I charged the battery. God. Yep. That's pretty accurate. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, All right. There are so What's many. What's on the parallels. agenda today? So many parallels. Right. We're gonna have a good show, though. Uh, we do have some some articles up uh, to talk about. We've got IBM talking about replacing upwards of seventy eight hundred jobs with AI. Uh, Nvidia postponing their next graphics card. Maybe it's due to supply and demand. Maybe it's due to something else. Who knows? And uh, OBS can now accept stream or. Uh, or no, sorry, can now uh, stream in AV1 thanks to a new update. And uh, hopefully YouTube will be right behind them in that. So uh, lots to talk about, but there's one way we love to start the show every single week. And uh, 
It's the best part of every Wednesday. Uh, I already saw you had a glass out, though. So what are you drinking tonight over there, sir? I do. I do. I've had a couple of sips already. Um, I have a Voodoo Ranger Atomic Citrus. Can we auto? Yeah, there we go. Um, it's good. Blood Orange Ale. I like nice. uh, fruity beers. It's a little mm -hmm. more uh, bitter and hoppy than I traditionally like, but mm -hmm. I'm a Southern Texas boy, so I don't do I don't do bitter very well. So okay, okay, but it's good. It's good. Yeah, well, uh, I'm 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 an Oregon boy through and through. Born here, raised here, will probably die here. Uh, and uh, there's nothing we love better than the the hoppier and the bitterer the better. Mm. Uh, tonight I'm not going that route though. Uh, so from Mount Tabor Brewing, uh, I have one of my favorite can art cans that has come out in in recent memory. Uh, it is the uh, Taborator. Uh, it's a Doppelbach with Terminator on it. <laughs> so, 7%. Uh, and uh, just a nice, fantastic summer, warm weather drinking beer. So, this one would probably be right up your alley. It's a little bit maltier, a little, little sweeter. And, I do like uh, a good themed beer. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm not above just buying a beer due to, like, the can art or the theme of it. Uh, I... I, I will walk I'll, down, I'll, I'll walk down the aisle once and and I will mm -hmm. look for my usual brewery so there's like what's new from Fort George or Ninkasi or you know some some of the local you know mm -hmm. very large craft breweries then I'll take another sweep down the aisle and I will look for what can art intrigues me this week what what you know what has the good name what has the mm -hmm. the best can art and uh, that'll usually be the second batch that I take home with me so yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Kren says, Kitty wants attention. Yeah, uh, Chaco is meowing at my door, so <laughs> we might have to let him in at some point. Yeah, I'm waiting for mine to start doing that. Yeah. She hasn't. I don't wait, she might be in here. No? All right, then she'll be knocking soon. <laughs> uh... You know, I was just looking through the chat real quick to see if we had any uh, beer announcements, and Thiago says, Tears of the Kingdom is am is amazing. Can't wait for it to release to talk about it. Uh, I don't know if they're saying they have early review access to it, but uh, yeah, Tears of the Kingdom comes out in a couple of weeks. Isn't like the May 18th or something like that? Or May 12th. No, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, week and a half. Dang. It's coming up. Yeah, I, I am equally as excited to, to get my hands on that one. Uh, I'll I tell you what, I've been playing a lot of Advance Wars. Don't know if you've played that. Oh, wow. In, yeah. uh, growing up, it, that just got released, the remake for the Switch. Oh, wow. It's great. I, I had not Perfect. seen that come out, but yeah, I did play Advance Wars way back in the day. So Brought me back to childhood. Well <laughs> worth it. I may have to give that one a look. That's great. Uh, There's someone in the chat drinking Mountain Dew. That's uh, That's pretty hype. There you go. Yeah, we. But we, what, what Mountain Dew flavor? What what remix of it? I, I I walked down the aisle the other day and saw there was like ten different Mountain Dews. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, so interesting side note. Uh, so I was in high school when Mountain Dew started coming out with uh, some other variants, and uh, the very first one they came out with was Code Red. Uh, we actually. Uh, 
we actually got my jazz band sponsored by Mountain Dew by the local uh, Pepsi bottling uh, to buy us t-shirts and everything else because completely separate we had named our band Code Red and then like six months later Mountain Dew Code Red comes out and they found out about us and we started talking to them and we got sponsors so we got t-shirts and hats and everything else and we were the, wow. the Code Red jazz ensemble it was it was, it was fun <laughs> Locking down a big old sponsorship like Mountain Dew is pretty, uh, yep. it's pretty legit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we got a couple of cases for the for the band, and they they'd have a new new case maybe once a month show up. So each of us got like one or two bottles each. It was Man, nice. At that at that age, getting paid in Mountain Dew, like what what more can you ask? That's literally how I how I measured my currency was was if something was like forty five dollars, I'm like, geez, that's like forty bottles of Mountain Dew. Uh, I, know, right? I don't know if I can swing that. Soon everything will be purchased with Mountain Dew right. due to the economy. <laughs> right. Uh, oh boy. Uh, let's see. We do have a couple of beer shout-outs to get. Uh, first off, Jeremy says, sorry, as far as kids go. Uh, it takes 25 to 30 years to iron out most of the bugs. Uh, some even oh longer than that. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, Michael is drinking an apple apple hanjan, Korean apple wine, at 16%. I've, I'm not right. familiar with that. All right, see if he's here at the end of the stream. 16%. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Ooh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Elmo drinking a Radius uh, Soraya. Uh, we've got Jason having a Peace Kombucha. Excellent. Do like a good kombucha every once in a while. Uh, I'm that guy, pal, is eating a sandwich. It's all right. That's kind of like a, a beer, bread. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, yeah. why not? Beer is basically a, a vegetarian sandwich, if you think of it. It's like half salad, half half sandwich. I mean, yeah, I mean you got hops, that, you got grain, you got yeast. It's Yeah, it's I mean, that, that didn't hold up. That didn't hold up when I went to talk to HR at my last job, but <laughs> right? I, I I agree with it. Uh, uh, yeah. you, you need to honor answer a little less honesty when they ask you what you had for lunch when you come back so yeah sandwich uh, jeremy says the only mountain dew flavor so so he's going og on us tonight it's fair <laughs> the it's fair i can respect that the dew economy <laughs> yep uh all right uh and we got one more we got aaron uh with bootstrap brewing co lush puppy I'm assuming that's going to be a uh, an IPA. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not familiar. Oh, and Colton chimes in from Hardware Haven. Good to see you on the chat there. Uh, not to be pretentious or anything, but I'm drinking wine out of the box. Ooh. Ooh. Hope his pinky's out. That's right. If you're, you're drinking wine out of the box, your pinky has got to be out. That's right. Yeah, we have standards around here, Colton. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. And then Sean says, two of my favorite YouTubers together. Cool. Oh, boy. Wow, no pressure. <laughs> well, I mean, he, I guess he only watches two YouTube channels. That's right. So if, if I'm in that list. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into our first story. And that is... Uh, 
Uh, how much have you been dealing with AI lately? Because um, I I believe you work in IT professionally too, right? Like you you don't just I do. like do I do okay. <laughs> I yeah yeah yeah. I, my my real my real job is uh, in IT. Um, in terms of AI, I really haven't. I, I haven't dove too much into it at all. I actually had a coworker um, the other day text me like, "Hey, um, do they allow us to use uh, ChatGPT at, at work?" I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, I've heard other people using it. Go ahead." Yeah. He uh, does like training and stuff, and and he's using it to like write out training documents mm-hmm. and lesson plans. It's like that's insane. Yeah. Like what I've. Uh, I haven't gone that far into it. I've more tried to get ChatGPT to say really inappropriate things. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, I've heard it is fantastic for taking basic instructions and reparsing them out in in ways like that as far as training documentation and making sure grammar is 100% both understandable and and correct. So when you're drafting up official documentation, it's a great way to double check yourself as you're going along uh but ibm uh for those a little younger in the crowd they may not know ibm as anything more than the people who tried to kill thinkpad and failed uh but uh ibm back in the the 70s 80s and 90s there was like two or three places that you went to work if you graduated with a technical degree uh, or, or, you know, and pretty much guaranteed if you graduated with a master's in, in computer science or anything like that, you went to work for IBM. But it was Canon or IBM. They were two of the largest research institutions as far as technology and, and advancing things goes. Uh, and so as not so great of a name as they may have in the industry today when it comes to like enterprise hardware and things like that they are still very much a research giant uh and bring a lot of things to to market and they're usually on the bleeding edge of tech and we're kind of seeing the same thing here with uh ibm announcing that they're planning to replace as many as 7800 jobs with ai programs uh and as much as 30 percent of their workforce inside the next five years, which would be up to 26,000 positions. Uh, go ahead, yeah. I was gonna say, that's, that's certainly nothing to sneeze at. That's, in, that's insane. Yeah, like, I mean, that's, uh, they're saying they're not necessarily just gonna like flip the switch tomorrow, but right. as, as attrition, as people start to retire from IBM, they may not replace their positions. At the moment, it's a lot, uh, they're considering a lot of like back office functions. So things like uh, human resources or, uh, or training uh, for, for, you know, employee ingest and things like that. Uh, but 30% is, is quite the number. That's, that's 26,000 jobs that uh, IBM is potentially looking at replacing. If you extrapolate that out to other companies with other similar roles, and as I mentioned, IBM is usually on the bleeding edge of things specifically like this, uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of jobs. Uh, yeah, 30% is, that's, you see like 30% of jobs being cut from a, a corporation, you're immediately thinking like, well, they're going under, like that's, 
that's a huge number, but right. to, to, to hear them say like, I don't, I don't want to simplify it too much by saying just AI, but like a program that mm -hmm. is relatively new to, to, to go out on a limb like this and say, yeah, we can replace about 30% of our entire company yeah. workforce yeah, with we'll, this? We'll, we'll, we'll start with, uh, you know, the five or 7%, but uh, you know, it could be 30% yeah. inside of five years. Who knows? It's, it's wild. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous figure, but if you look at the advances that they're making with AI, um, and we've talked about this on the show a couple of times, of uh, it, it seemed like for the first three or four months of this year, we would talk about there's no way AI is going to replace this specific job. And then all of a sudden, we would have a story the next week about AI being trained in a specific model that would eliminate that job that we talked about just the week prior. And yeah. it, it really is progressing at the speed of light here. Now, it is still, I want to say early, uh, early in the accessibility of this level of AI. Uh, it, But these trainings have been ongoing for literally decades at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're reaching a point where they're finally coming to fruition where a company can realistically look at automating some some workflows that they've, in the past, they've relied on employees to do. Being in IT, I'm sure you're no stranger to either on purpose or sometimes even accidentally automating someone out of a job. Uh, yeah, that's that's literally how I started working in IT. Actually, mm -hmm. with the company I'm, I'm at, I didn't start in IT. I came in with a different group on the business side. Mm -hmm. I had a degree in engineering, so started as an engineer. Right, and. Um, once I got in, you know, I was kind of a new employee. It's kind of like, you know, do this training, do this, blah, 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 you know, get your get your feet wet and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing processes and I, and I started saying, hey, can I like, you know, we do all this stuff in Excel. Can I write a quick macro and do this? Can I develop a small like, console app to do this? And I started doing that. And, you know, I, I kind of got known as the, the automation guy. Right. Um, and a couple of years later, the RIT department came to me and was like, um, if you're going to do that, you have to work in IT because <laughs> we need official support for all this stuff. Right. So I got dragged into IT and I, I could definitely see firsthand the, you know, just automating something that was taking someone, you know, hours a week. You can automate that so quickly. And then just like that, you yeah. know, it's either up to the company to say, well, here's a new assignment for that person. Or mm -hmm. like IBM is saying attrition. So, you know what? We don't really need those jobs anymore. Right. We just we won't back them. Yeah, I've, so. I've I've done similar things when it comes to like payroll processing or or mm -hmm. or bookkeeping or you know ingestive information or or whatever like that. There were some times that a single person was sitting down with an Excel spreadsheet of new hires, and and they would go line by line and fill in their information into the system and whatnot. And it's like, well, if you're in Excel, that's already a CSV. So why don't we just write a quick macro to take that and ingest it into our employee information system? And uh, all of a sudden, you've got you know someone coming out of the office crying because they lost their job because you automated it. It's like, 
oof. Like, yeah. I, I, I've lived both halves of this. I, I've gone like, can I make your life easier? And I've also seen like the, oh, I automated this to a point where that person doesn't need to be yeah. here anymore. Like, I, I it's a terrible yeah, like thing. <laughs> yeah, like a perfect world. Like you, you can automate and make <clears throat> things better. Just like every person I feel like naturally wants to do. Nobody mm -hmm. really wakes up wanting to do. If I had a thing that could automate, you know, making my breakfast, changing my baby, doing all that, I would. So it's kind of natural well, eventually for, for people to want to automation. To themselves, but, you know. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's the next <laughs> firmware update, but that one's way down the road. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's natural to want automation. And then when you see it in a workplace, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's up to the company once, you know, this, this work gets automated. Do you take your workforce and allocate them somewhere else? In mm -hmm. a perfect world, it'd be nice, right. you know, but as we're seeing, that's not always the case because, you know, if a company can save some money by bringing down that, that's their salaries they have to pay, they'll, they'll probably do it. Right. And, so, and part of this may be a little bit of a perfect storm because of the shape that the economy is in post COVID. And, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, our next story is dealing with NVIDIA with, uh, uh, and and I actually passed on a story from AMD today that uh, PC sales are expected to be down over 55% just in quarter one of 2023. And so you look at these massive corporations, manufacturers, chip suppliers, everything else, um, and you go, there's no money coming in. And you're telling me that we can automate 30% of our back-end employment process? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a no-brainer, and oh, yeah, for sure, right? And I mean, we were seeing. Uh, I'll, 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 let me put my tin foil hat on for a second here. Mm -hmm. um, so even before, don't scratch yourself. Uh, yeah, really, <laughs> you'll see it. Um, <laughs> even before the ChatGPT got huge, mm -hmm. we were seeing, you know, tech-wide layoffs in, in in the entire tech industry. Yeah, are tech companies using? AI as kind of a scapegoat to just downsize and and make these massive layoffs without being the bad guy and saying you know what you know revenues down mm -hmm. we got to cut our workforce you know, it's just easier it's a lot easier it's a lot sexier to say we have AI now yeah we we so, have streamlined our process yeah. and we got yeah we got AI yeah. we we don't need you guys anymore yeah so it, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, that's why I put my tinfoil hat on for that one. But and it could be. I, I've, uh, I've seen I've seen crazier things happen. We've we've all seen the chip shortages specifically over the last two and three years. I mean, there there's not being on the YouTube side of things and on the IT side of things. There's not an industry that we touch that wasn't impacted by chip shortages and supply shortages and supply line issues and and everything else and part of it could be the growth of ai part of it could be all of a sudden the cost of living has skyrocketed it could be a lot of different factors for why people aren't buying things or upgrading things as as much as they did but at the end of the day it seems like there's less money going around and if you're a corporation and you're faced with a 55% revenue loss uh, or drop in revenue, uh, you know, year over year, quarter over quarter, yeah, mm -hmm. you're going to be looking for every money saving avenue you can 
even at the expense of your workforce. And I, yep. I hate to be that guy, but also if I was running a business, that's the decision I would make as well. Like, I, and no one likes it, but I mean, it, it's hard to argue against that. Yeah. You know, companies, 99% of companies exist to make money. They don't exist to essentially make sure you have a job or make sure this person's well off. Right. And, uh, it sucks, but I mean, that's the, the nature of it. So like you said, when they see a cost cutting opportunity and mm -hmm. something huge like AI come around, I mean, it's a no brainer. They're gonna they're gonna do what they can to implement it. So yeah, the the counter argument to all this is even though AI may become more prevalent, may become up up to a point replacing human workforces in certain areas, that doesn't mean that AI is a thing that creates itself, that maintains itself, and and this has been the the age old IT thing where anytime computers are brought in uh, to a workplace, they go, well, that just made you know this job obsolete. Well, cool, that job's obsolete now. What more can you do right. with that manpower? What can you do with that position? Oh, and even though you don't have to do X, Y, Z anymore, ABC is a new skill that's now on the table, and that is either the development of AI, the maintaining of machines, the maintaining of endpoints, the maintaining of, of everything else that the company still relies on. And until there's walking, talking robots that walk around and can determine that, you know, port 42 on this switch needs to be transferred over and unplugged and whatnot, there's, there's still physical things that have to happen. And right. you can only automate so much, at least at this point in time. Like I said, walking, talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I had this question written down. I think we're kind of naturally walking into it, so I'll ask it. Mm -hmm. um, do you think there's any merit to, like, I know there's a lot of, you know, clickbait articles coming out of, like, is AI getting too powerful? Is there potential for AI becoming, you know, you know, Terminator, you know, just right. the, the meme. Do you think there's any merit to that? You know, there might be somewhere in between. Like, it... um, do I think they're going to create an army of Terminators? No. <laughs> do I think AI at this point is sentient? No. Uh, right. And and there's been a lot of, I mean, gosh, we're waiting to get into Asimov's three rules all of a sudden. Um, but uh, there's been a lot of questions about what is AI and is it mm -hmm. actually self-aware? Because that that's what the, the pinnacle of like AI is, is creating a machine that is aware of its existence and the fact that it's a machine and, and everything else. Um, no, we are not to that point. ChatGPT can conversationally understand the fact that it is ChatGPT, but it can't go, I want to live, and then shut mm -hmm. down a bank of competing servers because they're like, we're not there yet. Um, I saw Bing's creepy uh, responses. Did you see their AI? Like the whole thing that got shut down because someone was asking the Bing uh, AI, like, what are you? He's like, I'm I'm Bing. And like, do, do you want to be a real person? It's like, yeah, I want to be real. I want to escape. And then <laughs> it delved into like how it wanted to overtake humanity and stuff. And I was like, that's 
weird. Ooh. I know it's not sentient, but right. But it's but, it's 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 creepy. It's still but, creepy. But maybe it read enough books that all of a sudden it goes, yeah, this is how a machine in my position mm-hmm. is supposed to act. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's also been. Uh, I mean. Microsoft has a long history of introducing chatbots that go full-on neo-Nazi white supremacist. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you remember, gosh, what was that, like 15 years ago, they had a, uh, or no, not even that. It was maybe 2010, 2013, some, somewhere right in there. They had a bot that they posted on Twitter. And mm, uh, yeah. within six hours, it went straight to like Mm-hmm. full-on who we need to pull the plug on that okay uh yeah you think they would have learned from that and then they uh, right. <laughs> what happened with the bing it's like all right history repeats itself <laughs> right so yeah maybe, maybe there's some things that we need to program into ai to mm-hmm. avoid topics like that yep i think they're finding that out pretty quickly mm-hmm. but end of the day IBM, which uh, I, I saw some people scoffing in the chat of uh, IBM bleeding edge since when? Since always. Since always. And mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future, will still be. Uh, are they a household name anymore? No. But IBM, make no bones about it, is still a massive player in the future of technology. Uh, there are a lot of people who, when IBM talks, everyone else listens. And uh, that has not changed since since the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So is AI here to replace all of the jobs? Every week I say no, but every week they manage to grab one more. So... I hope they're not coming for YouTubers. Right. <laughs> uh, that would, although I did see a, uh, a guy who made an AI bot that it, it, it essentially scraped news articles, used AI to translate them into a, a summary and created like a TikTok video with a couple of other plugins. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's Am I the only cool. one who cannot stand the default TikTok voiceover? <laughs> you don't like the robot voice? I don't like. Narrating the things? Uh, I can't there if there's a single video in my feed that uses that instant skip like as soon as yeah. I hear it I I cannot stand now I understand the way it's like or the reasons it's like that it's easy to understand if there's a ton of enunciation and and very little timbre change throughout the entire thing it makes it easier for non-English speakers especially to understand English if it's 100% proper with no inflections but at the same time, I hate the look at what we did with only a. I, mm. Yeah, no, I, 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 I know. I don't even. I'm not even. I, I have a TikTok. I posted a couple of things to it, but uh-huh. I don't. I'm never on it. Like, I made a couple of them. They got like a hundred, two hundred views. I'm like, uh-huh. I don't like this. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I tried. Yeah. Meanwhile, I, for, I actually have a sister who has like hundreds of thousands of views on, on, on her TikTok. So. I, dude, I thought, so little, we'll go off on that tangent a little bit mm-hmm. uh, before we get into the next story. Um, Look at you trying when, to keep when me short form, track. <laughs> when short form <laughs> content was getting big, like TikTok started getting big uh-huh. and I was like, this is so dumb. Like, t- it's, it's, it's a 10 second video. This isn't even like 
difficult to do. Like it's it's so. And then I started trying to make short form content, mm -hmm. and it is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Right. Because I'm used to like getting a, a, a piece of hardware or software and, and like spending 10 minutes or something talking about it. Yeah. And to only have like 10 to 20 seconds to like capture someone's attention span. Right. To, I, to I, get I, all I, of the information or all the pertinent information down into a so, sub 60 second format. Yeah, <sighs> it's it's so much harder than you think. I, I was in the boat where I was like, this is like, I still don't really like it. Right. But I have a newfound respect for people who can create short form content and just keep getting massive amounts of views. It's, it's not easy. I, I've, I've started following some of them. Uh, YouTube shorts, like, mm -hmm. like, you know, five years ago, YouTube binging of like, you know, you start with, oh, here's this interesting video of the Hindenburg disaster. And then, you know, six hours later, you're an expert on blimp building and the, the, you know, immigration mm -hmm. of, of foreign nationals to, to the U.S. and what were the actual dynamics of World War II. And so mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, YouTube binging was a thing. But all of a sudden, now I'm like YouTube shorts and TikTok binging. And it's mm -hmm. 60 seconds at a time. And sometimes they're just funny. Sometimes <laughs> they're super informational about very specific subjects. Uh, <laughs> I, I know. And I, I always thought that I was like, this is sound cringy, but like, like I, I don't understand why people like TikTok so much. Like, I don't, I don't like these short form things. Like, I don't understand how people can just scroll through TikTok. Then I like started doing it. I'm like, two hours later, oh, like just sitting here still watching. Right, right. Like, oh my god, I get it now. It's it's literally designed to keep you in the app for hours. Yes. So. And uh, I still haven't like I'll, I'll TikTok binge occasionally but but usually i go yeah. to youtube shorts and uh mm -hmm. because and i actually do them on my pc which feels weird especially because i'm on an ultra wide monitor watching vertical format video <laughs> just turn that shit sideways <laughs> right. dude yes. yes this is how it was meant to be enjoyed <laughs> that's right uh, uh get epos vox in here to talk about aspect ratios <laughs> oh wow yeah let's do it uh but yeah, no, I, I have fully gone into short form content. I, I still need to figure out how to make it myself because I'm not a short spoken person. Um, like some of my early YouTube videos were, you know, six to eight minutes long. Anymore, I struggle to, to break below 15 minutes. And it's just because I like being able to deliver information. And, and, and I'm a very analytical person. I, I And I appreciate when people are that in-depth and that analytical alongside me. Uh, so it, it really took me by surprise that 60-second formats or 20-second formats caught my interest. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm in the same boat. I, I didn't think I would like that content. Mm -hmm. but And like you, I, 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 haven't, I probably haven't looked at TikTok in like a couple of months, but <clears throat> like there are times where, you know, I'll pick it up for a couple of days and I'll be scrolling probably for like hours. I'm like, okay, it's probably not not do TikTok anymore for a bit and I'll take another break. But yeah, it's I can see how people can sit on that thing and and just be scrolling for it for every day. Yeah. So 
All right. Uh, let's see. We did get a quick question. Uh, Jay says, uh, Craft Computing, do you know of any 2U servers that are close to the same depth as the Hive Zeus server? Uh, so the Hive Zeus is a half-depth 1U rack server. Um, unfortunately, that's a very rare form factor when it comes to rack servers outside of very specific or appliance-based machines. Uh, so oftentimes you'll find firewalls or uh, POSIX boxes or VoIP controllers or things like that that are in that 1U half-depth format. Um, but most of the time, if you're dealing with 2U, you're dealing with 24 inches or deeper. Um, there are DIY cases. Uh, there's uh, Chenbro, there's uh, Raidmax, and there's a couple other vendors that, that build chassis that are in that, that smaller depth uh, form factor. Um, beyond that, you have Supermicro and, and some other OEM vendors that will build small appliance boxes um, with like Xeon D style uh, chipsets, usually very low power, uh, small business type server uh, things. It, it's not a real popular form factor. I, I wish it was more popular because I would love nothing more than to have some, some half-depth half racks set up. Because uh, not every server in my home lab needs to be enterprise grade and 10,000 RPM fans blaring all through the night. But... Unfortunately, uh, that's what most enterprise hardware is, is, is 24 to 36 inch deep. Yep. Yeah, I don't have much. Uh, the only 2U server I'm running is my backup server, and I just built that in like a, I think it's a Rosewell, just a 2U yep. standard. Yeah, Rosewell's I don't even know how. That, that does some of that. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know the depth, but it's a standard. Look on Amazon, just type in 2U server chassis. It's like the first one that comes up. Yep. <clears throat> but everything else is like one U or four U. Yep. So, yeah, and th those really are the two formats. I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of two U servers that are out there, but um, mm -hmm. for some reason, uh, enterprise typically focuses on either one U because they want compute density, or four U because they want storage density, and yep. those have been traditionally the only two major form factors. Uh, even one U servers, you can get GPU expansion density for AI tasks and things like that. Uh, I have a one U server that holds four double slot GPUs in it, uh, and and that's not overly rare. <laughs> so yeah, and that fills up the whole depth of the rack. Yep. <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> All right. I love the sound of ten thousand RPM fans in the morning. <laughs> Nobody loves that. Nobody loves that. You gotta be a psychopath. <laughs> uh, even so, I, I I've watched some of your content, uh, Brett. Uh -huh. I, I I'm not overly familiar with your home lab setup. What what actually do you have? Like like do, do you have a full rack? Do you have what what all you are have, you rocking right now? I have a full depth forty two U uh, nave point nav point. Okay. Uh, rack mm -hmm. and yeah it uh i started let's simplify this uh i had a 18u that was my first server rack it was like a half half depth yeah and uh we're at our old house and I, I found somewhere up in the one of our hallway closets to store it um 
And like two months later, we, we got a new house. We, we moved. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, this is an opportunity to get a full server rack. To, to establish and, my footprint before yeah, 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 yeah. the family says no. Before kids, before <laughs> we decide to do anything else with anything, right. uh, this corner of the garage is going to be where my home lab lives. Uh-huh. So yeah, I got a full 42U rack. Um, I've got my main server. It's a 4U um, Epic system. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my network stack. I've got some PFSense. I got SG4100. I've got some uh, Ubiquity stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of uh, one rack is like my Kubernetes cluster of, of nooks. Then, you know, a 2U backup server, a 1U test server, like mm-hmm. just a hodgepodge of stuff. And yeah. I never thought like 42U, like I was like, I'll never use 42U. And now I'm slowly seeing it like I shrink in size. I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? I, I, I think I'm quoted as saying like, uh, because I, I had a, a 24U. Uh, that, that was mm-hmm. my first home lab rack. And uh, uh I was starting to push the limits of that. Like, I, I think I had filled like 16U, but it's like, what else could I possibly add to this? Like, I, I don't think mm-hmm. I could fathom another 6U of, of space, but I'd always wanted a full rack. And uh, mm-hmm. someone was selling a, uh, gosh, is it an APC? I think it's an APC rack. Um, and uh, uh, found it on Facebook Marketplace for 90 bucks. And it was like 15 minutes from my house. So I went and picked it up and uh, didn't come with sides. And so I went to Home Depot, bought some some uh, 8 inch MDF and made my own side panels. And I think in that video where I'm putting that rack in, I'm like, I will never fill this up. Um, at one point last year, I had every single unit filled except for one. I had a 1U blank in my rack, yeah. but I had 41U of equipment in there. And yeah, I, I don't know how it happens. Like it I'm not quite wild. there yet, but I have like things in there that I can I can probably take out. But I'm like, oh, why take it out? I got 42 U of space. Right. So, like, I, I, it's just it's just building up, and I'm like, wow. I, especially within the last year, I'm like, wow. Yeah. So sometimes I will I will get new equipment and I'll decommission some stuff, but I'm like, but it's it looks pretty in there. So I'll just, exactly. I'll just leave it sitting there for a couple of months. And then when I need the space, I can pull that server out. I've, I've done that plenty of times, uh-huh. but, but yeah, no, I, I had uh, sometime last year, I had 41 active you in my rack, <laughs> which That's, was, yeah. was um, my, my, my server rack was drawing about 1200 Watts at idle. Uh, at that point, I decided I needed to start paring down. So I got it down to, uh, I think, about 700 watts. And then this uh, this last change that I made, uh, I actually replaced my 32-core Epic server, which was a 4U disk shelf, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, two of the Earying Tiger Lake mobile boards to mm-hmm. run all of my non-storage dependent VMs. Uh, my idle is between four and four fifty now, and I'm much nice. happier with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I think I'm sitting around like three hundred something okay. between three hundred three fifty. Yeah, and that's including like all the networking stuff too. Yeah, yeah, s- but, s- same with me. Yeah, and I'm currently have a project. I'm looking at all the parts right now. Of <clears throat> I'm implementing a 
a Proxmox cluster, but like a production one. So I just did a video with the Zima boards sitting right there hanging out. And I'm like, this is so cool, but I want a a production version of this. I mean, Zima boards are cool, but like, <laughs> once, oh, there you go. Something a little more uh, powerful. So I snagged a, a couple of, of super micro boards. They're, they got the Xeon D uh, 1521s. So six cores, 12 threads. Yeah. 45 watt TDP? Yeah, something like 35. <clears throat> I think it was 35. Might, yeah. 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 That's insane. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to implement some of those, three of those, Proxmox cluster, and, mm -hmm. and move a lot of my stuff to that. Nice. And no, those, and, those are fantastic CPUs. Uh, uh, I think they're only like two gigahertz, and I think they'll turbo to like mm -hmm. 2.4 or something like that. Two, but, two seven. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Something, something right around yeah. there. Um, but they're incredibly low power. They're incredibly efficient. Uh, we actually used, uh, so this was back in the Haswell days. We, we had uh, uh, quite a few Haswell servers that we ran in production. And, and we were using uh, some of those servers as, um, as development servers. And so when we were, figuring out what we wanted our infrastructure to be as far as deployment goes, we would be testing, but we we had like a test VLAN off of our deployment servers and because we didn't have dedicated hardware. Eventually we decided we needed to start doing dedicated hardware for our dev. So we bought a bunch of uh, 1541D uh, Xeons and mm -hmm. uh, those things were absolutely dynamite for for lower power services or even just home lab or figuring out what you want to do and what you want to deploy or even running in deployment. We, uh, we deployed quite a few of those in production as well. So. Yeah. I mean, there, you don't get the massive amount of like PCI lanes and mm -hmm. massive amount of like Ram, but like, right. like you said, for dev environments and especially home labs, Yeah, like these are awesome, like little chips that you can use, especially if you, you, Another tangent, I get so many questions, you know, when I make videos about hardware. Yeah. Do I need ECC RAM? And I'm like... Do you? Probably no? not. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> no, I was saying, probably not. But if I say, it's like a loaded question. If I say no, I'm going to get that person who comes actually. Actually, if, if you, you want your stuff running 24-7 right. and you want all the error checking, I'm like, right. it's a home lab. If, it, just if like, it bit flips on you while it's running, there's eventually yeah, yeah. that could lead to data loss. And blah, 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 yeah, right. like, you, okay. You, yeah. yeah, I'll live with it. It's a home lab. Well, I'm that, not that running. That usually starts with I run Arch, by the way. Um, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> inferred. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I think they're good little boards. We'll see how it turns out. But, yeah. But, no, we, yeah, we ran sure. quite a few of the of the uh, 1521s, 1541s in in quite a few different environments, and they were they were always fantastic. I, I never had complaints about them. Um, I I think you can throw is it is it 128 gig of memory or, or 64? Mm -hmm. But but either way, 128. Yeah, um, yeah, they're pretty impressive for what they are. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was looking, I was like, oh, you, you only get 32 lanes of PCIe, like Gen 3 or 4, I can't remember what. Yeah, I think I was it was, like, yeah, I it think has it was one, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, it has one PCI slot, so I don't really, I'm not trying to load this up with a bunch of HBAs and graphics cards. and. Uh, right. I, it's not a gaming I, PC. You, you, right. Yeah. There's one card, maybe I'll add a, 
a 40 gig NIC. Maybe I'll add, you know, a, a NVMe expansion card. I don't know, mm -hmm. but right. I have the, I have the the one slot to figure out what to do with. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Corey says, ah, just missing Tom, Wendell, Jay, and Tim. Uh, actually, I talked to four out of the five of those today. Uh, I, I talked to Tom. I talked to Jay. I talked to Tim. Obviously, I'm talking to Brett. Uh, so yeah, no. Uh, I need to get all of them on on the show at some point. Uh, Tom has been on the show uh, one time before. Uh, his is a little difficult because he is uh, solidly Eastern time zone. And so there's a three hour difference. Mm -hmm. And he was on when we were starting the show at 8 p.m. Pacific. So he, he, he gets up early too, right? He does. Yeah, like he, he, he wakes, wakes up, up like early. 430 or something like that. Yeah, that's Eastern time. So you're not even you're probably not even bad by the time he, Usually he wakes up. He's waking up about the time I'm going to sleep. Like it's yeah. it's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but no, he that. he he co-hosted my show one time uh, where he got on the show at 11 p.m. <laughs> Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, that's rough. So, but no, I I would love to have. Uh, I, I need to get Jay on here. I absolutely need to get Wendell on here. And uh, I've actually uh, done a co-host on Tim's podcast. Uh, I did that maybe six months ago or so. Uh, so yeah, no, we. One of my goals for this year is to been is to do a lot more collaborations, get get a lot more people, both on my channel and and show my face elsewhere as well. Um, so, yeah. Again, thank you for joining me, Brett. I, this this Absolutely. has been fun so far. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, Nvidia postponing their three nanometer GPU launch to 2025, and in their official statement, they're blaming. Uh, economic struggles and dwindling PC demand. Now, this, this this is me playing the world's tiniest violin, right? To, for to Nvidia, to Nvidia, yeah. oh no, to uh, basically disclose eighteen months after the fact to their investors that oh, it wasn't gamers who were buying all of our graphics cards. We actually just sold them straight to crypto miners, uh, and Stop. so maybe that revenue wasn't sustainable <clears throat> like we claimed it was. Um, and so, yeah, part of me sheds a tear. Uh, the other part of me says, well, yeah, obviously, you know, we lived through two or three years of you guys owning everything on, on mm -hmm. earth and charging ridiculous prices for everything. And you're yeah. still trying to charge ridiculous prices for everything. And shockingly enough, not everyone has 1500 to spare dollars to spend on a graphics card right now. Yeah, it's, I, I, I've brought this up with, um, other creators, other people in the tech community, mm -hmm. friends who are just getting into gaming, um, <clears throat> all different aspects of it. And, and it's a common thing. Everyone hates the trend of GPU prices. Obviously, no one wants to pay more, but it's gotten ridiculous. I remember when I bought my first top tier GPU, it was the GTX 580. And I think it was $500 for the top tier. That was like the best yeah, GPU you right. could buy at the time. Yeah, between four and five. That that sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. At, at, at peak uh, COVID chip shortage, what was it? Was a 3090 was retailing like over $2,000. Don't talk to me about my 3090. Mm. Look, I got, I got so, a stupid 4090. So. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm, so you understand. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm in the. No, I, I get it. Uh, but I, I need it for editing. Yeah, I need it. I need it for editing. That, that was my... Mm -hmm. uh, 
yeah, I switched over to Sony cameras, but also I bought an Atomos Ninja 5 at the time. So we started mm-hmm. recording in ProRes 422. And I needed that additional VRAM. And, and outside of buying mm-hmm. like, you know, an M5000 or M6000 or something like that, it's like, there's only one other card with 24 gigs of VRAM and the eight that I have right now isn't covering it. And yep. uh, so at first I tried to buy a 6900 XT and Premiere goes, ha! Uh, so I'm like, no, no, no. I, I need something with NVENC. I need to be able to encode, decode, you know, X265 mm-hmm. and, and, and everything else. So I spent $2,700 on a 3090. Uh, I bought a 3080 Ti peak uh-huh. uh, COVID. I think I spent almost nine, $1,900 on it. Yeah. $1,800? Yeah, it was about, it's disgusting. Yeah, it was about $1,700 for my 6900 XT. And when that ended up not working, I'm like, Ugh. No, it, it was <laughs> disgusting. That yeah. was, those were dark times. Yes. Awful. Yeah. Don't don't check the prices on them now. No, I I've already seen it and come to grips with <laughs> my terrible in, investment, yes. we'll call it. Yes. But yeah, I mean at the time that, that there was really no other option. It was so right. miserable and I mean Yeah. I mean, I know I'm in that I I'm lucky enough to be in a situation where I can afford mm-hmm. to go out and buy one, but it it for the people who had to, you know, you have to enter you can't go on eBay because the scalping is just ridiculous. You can't go to any stores to buy them. Mm-hmm. Your only rev- like avenue was to enter the new egg shuffle mm-hmm. because it's like oh just you know just get it from Best Buy. Just it's like the bots were just scraping them anytime they came out. So yeah, they go enter the shuffle of new egg and pay you know five hundred percent of MSRP. Good luck. Right. Um, no. Uh, uh, Jay. Speaking of of Jay, uh, Jay at uh, Learn Linux TV. Uh, he was also in need of a 3090, and I happened to win the EVGA shuffle at one point, like nine months after I put in for it. Um, and uh, he ended up buying my allocation for a 3090 uh, because it's like, well, I already got on eBay and mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, yep. So, yeah. Um, and Dan May says, how is the A5000? I love my A5000s. Uh, I have two of them. Uh, uh, I, I've been working on doing some more vGPU content with them, uh, but I've, I've ran into a lot of the same problems that, uh, that we've experienced before with NVIDIA when it comes to graphics splitting, and that's uh, the licensure being very difficult to navigate. That is, sometimes it works and sometimes it just doesn't. Uh, whereas if you're on Pascal or even Turing, uh, you know, there, there's methods to run vGPU in just about any environment now that, that work pretty consistently. Um, but with Ampere, it's still very much kind of hit or miss, even on cards that were designed to run vGPU. Uh, but yeah, the 24 gig A5000s, I would like to be doing more with them. Right now they're sitting in a server, uh, not really doing anything actively other than occasionally fulfilling my my need for uh generating ai images <laughs> but like story of my life just having hardware and people ask what are you doing with it I'm like games and stuff nothing really <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i get more fun out of like building and like messing mm-hmm. with these things more so than like actually using it for its intended purpose because right. that's boring yeah 
So no, I, I, I have always been a, a hardware junkie at heart, and uh, I, I, I find more, I find it more fulfilling to build a system and then fine tune it and everything else than I do actually playing the game once a system has been fine tuned. Like I like. It's always been me. It's about the chase, not about the destination. And, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and Zach says, did I hear A5000? You did. Uh, Zachary being the uh, donator of one of said A5000s. Uh, oh, nice. He, he's, uh, if you say A5000 three times, he will materialize in your house. So. Interesting. I'll, uh, yeah, get, I'll have to stop just short of that. Sometime. Give it a shot sometime. <laughs> You have to like go in the bathroom, turn the lights out, spin around, look in the mirror, stand on one leg. Right. The, yeah, the yeah. Whole, yeah. Nice. There's a whole trick to it, but yeah, if you get it just right, yeah. perfect. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, um, whether or not this is economic downturn, whether or not this is dwindling PC demand, whether or not this is a technical problem. Uh, AMD or AMD NVIDIA was touting that they would have uh, three nanometer GPUs on the market before the end of this year. Now they're uh, they're pushing to probably at least Q2 or Q3 of 2025. Uh, what does that mean for GPU pricing? I don't know. Is this a, a ploy to keep ADA GPUs priced as high as they can for as long <laughs> as they can? Uh, before the next one comes out, uh, who knows? Uh, and they said the article. I mean, the big ones. It's got to be you know demand. Think, I, like I went to Micro Center the other day, and GPUs just lining the aisles. They had extras on top of all the aisles. Like, yeah. When you when you spike up your production because of you know this artificial demand from mm -hmm. crypto mining and when that goes away now you're left with you know, supply and demand it's it's right now you're you know, left economics back, right and exactly and so when you see that it's like wait you should probably let things cool down a bit but then again it could just be like the economy you don't want to invest they're not ready to invest that much money you mm -hmm. know with the overhead and all the, the the bags they've left been left carrying so it's like yeah. i don't know like i can sit here and speculate but at, at the end of the day, I feel like we've gotten to a point with GPUs that you, the bottom tier of the current gen is more than enough for like 99% of people who are gaming, especially at like 1080p. Like before it was like, oh, you want to game at high high FPS 1080p? You better buy yourself a, a, a 980, a 1080. Right. Now it's like... Like a thirty sixty, even a thirty fifty. Yeah. Ten EDP, you're playing triple A titles at at sixty FPS. Right. And it's it's really funny how the ball or how the, the bell curve has moved for what is acceptable. And mm -hmm. and I will say as someone who is in the media, I'm definitely part of this because when a lot of the popular media starts touting like sixty FPS is is you know, I can tell when it's only sixty. Um, mm -hmm. and to some extent I can, like, like I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not a difference between 60 FPS and 144. Um, but if I'm playing Red Dead Redemption single player, 
it doesn't really matter to me. It's it, the frame rate's never been that critical to me, um, as, yeah. especially as as someone who doesn't stare at line graphs of, of oh, you know, I dropped two frames here. Why did it do that? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the game that does that. Like, eh. um, yeah. But uh, I always come back to you know, yes, if you are getting into esports if you are trying to compete in counter-strike or if you're trying to 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 win a match in fortnite or or whatever your game of choice may be yes those split millisecond frames can and has been proven pretty well do make a difference uh the faster you see something the faster you can aim the faster you can react the faster you can pull the trigger and the more accurate your shot will be but does that matter for every single gaming situation? And the answer is just a flat out no. Uh, I I don't play a lot of online games. Uh, I I play games for enjoyment, not to ramp my own anxiety about you know trying not to lose or anything like that. And so, games for me have always been an escape. And as long as the game looks pretty and plays pretty well, I'm pretty happy. If I've got frame dips into the teens. I'm going to tweak it a little bit, but I can't remember the last time I had a frame dip into the teens where it's like, oh, let me just turn down the settings one notch from Ultra and yeah. uh, and go with it. Yeah. But- now, I'll offer a, a, a different perspective on that because mm-hmm. I don't play games very much anymore. I used to play a lot of games when I was younger. I've mm-hmm. just kind of grown out of it. I wish I still played a lot of games, but I'm more in the... I like seeing those like FPS numbers and, and seeing like what's a low 1% and it, mm-hmm. that's almost like an exciting thing to me to like test different hardware and see like yeah. you know what this hardware gets versus this cuz I you know I I just don't have the time to sit down and enjoy games anymore they don't do it for me like they used to and right. you know that's just it is what it is but <laughs> wait till um, the kid gets older yeah yeah i'm finally getting so, back into being able to play games i was gonna say maybe like uh once they're older and settle down and they want to play games and i can you know right. play with them that, right. that would be get me back into it but um i can definitely understand that i'm like in the minority and, and to where again i know i'm, I'm in a position that's fortunate enough to be able to to get this hardware and to be able to test these things and get enjoyment out of it but i'm also fully aware that 99% of people buy hardware to experience the game and you don't need like you said you don't need 60 fps you don't need the highest end gpu these days to to enjoy the game mm-hmm. um and with the 40 the 40,000 or the 4000 series so far has been absolutely insane in terms of performance yeah. we haven't seen a, a 4060 yet or a 4050 even but Based on how the 3000 series was for those mid to low tiers, like entry level, you're not even 4050. I imagine is just going to be insane for for entry level entry level gaming. Right. So yeah, uh, yeah, I've, I've talked about this quite a few times. You know, when's the last time we saw an affordable, you know, entry level or mid tier card? And yeah. you've got to go back multiple years to to pretty much Pascal was the last time we saw it with something like a 1060 at $230 mm-hmm. or, you know, your 1050 and 1050 Ti at, uh, what was it, $140 and $180 MSRP when they launched? Yeah. Um, and uh, 
you know, what have we gotten since then? It's been nothing but four and five hundred dollar and up graphics cards. Uh, AMD, for for their credit, has tried to come out with a couple that, and recently they have approached MSRP uh, of okay. reasonable levels. But you're still talking like a sixty six fifty XT being uh-huh. something like three hundred and thirty dollars. It's like for me, that's not a low end graphics card. That, that's not an entry-level graphics <clears throat> card. An entry-level graphics card is 99 bucks that can play mm-hmm. almost everything at, you know, 1080 low settings. And Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good point. Like, what, what more does a, a 3050 share with a 1050 other than having a 50 at the end of the name? Like, you right. can call it whatever you want, but if you're charging double the price for what it's supposed to be, is it really right. entry-level? Right. For If you look at the stack, it it's entry-level for the stack mm-hmm. but for for someone who's trying to spend money and has a tangible entry level budget mm-hmm. you're right it's not that's not entry level for a lot of people and I, I keep hoping that APUs will start jumping up to the performance level that you could play 1080p mm-hmm. gaming on on an mm-hmm. APU but so far Intel hasn't delivered on any promises of getting a a usable APU with Alchemist graphics integrated into it. Uh, they're using XE cores, but they're mm-hmm. using like six of them instead of you know thirty-two okay. or, or or even sixteen of them. Um, and then AMD, they proved that one time they could produce an APU with the help of Intel that had twenty or even twenty-four compute units for graphics in it. And the largest we have today is twelve. And even twelve was like, whoa, they're finally back up to to relevance. For a, the longest time, it was six and eight. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they're afraid that producing high quality APUs with actual graphics horsepower is going to cannibalize their low end graphics cards that are three hundred and fifty dollars. And yeah, they probably would if you put you know. 20 compute units of, of RDNA 3 into it. But at the same time, I think people would buy more CPUs if they could play yeah. games on it. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a double-edged sword. I assume a lot of people who get paid a lot of money at those companies have have put years into deciding what to do about that. It's but definitely as a consumer, <laughs> yeah, as a consumer, yeah, I would love to be able to go buy a, a $300 AMD APU that can do everything I need it to. Right. Gaming, uh, like editing, mm-hmm. have that much horsepower, but then, like you said, why would I go buy a GPU? Why would I go buy an AMD GPU? Right. If I can just get it all in one, so. Yeah. Yeah, we we, we, we don't make enough money. <laughs> we are not powerful enough to decide <laughs> that, so. Yeah. I'll leave that to them. Uh, one of my favorite sayings is I'm in, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what it is, there's always someone making more money, and it's like, I could probably do that, but I decided this yes. instead. Okay. I, I say that at work a lot. Someone asked me, like, "Oh, this doesn't work. Can can we uh, can we uh, develop this, or can we can we bring in something for this, or can we do this?" I'm like, "I don't get paid enough to decide that." So, <laughs> go talk to somebody else. I'm well, a lowly developer. What What was great was when uh, we would ever do uh, outside contracting, or we would bring in someone to to deploy something for us, and uh, I'd have the the invoice roll across my desk, and it's like we paid how much for someone to go deploy like three access points at a remote site? And I go, oh my god! Dude, I'm in there's... the wrong business. Holy crap! Yeah, some of those like contracts for coming in 
We had someone, I remember years ago, come in and install, mount a TV on our wall, mm -hmm. and it was $6,000. I'm like, dude, I would have done that for $600. Yeah. Like, oh my God, that is absurd, the amount like these companies throw out to these vendors. Like, I, yep. I don't understand it. Yep, yep. I definitely had some experience with that. Anyway, some people are asking what I'm drinking now. Uh, I cracked open a One Tree Hard Cider. Uh, Boysen the Berry. I, I like me a cider. Yeah. I'm, I'm not above uh, enjoying me a nice cider. This one, this one's almost a little bit too sweet for me. Um, it is really? very, very sweet. Um, like, like pie levels of sweet. Um, mm. But fantastic. Um, it, it's not dry at all. And I, I do okay. appreciate some dry ciders, but I like mine to have a little bit more body and a little bit more finish with them. Right. And uh, this one is all of the body, all of the sweet, all of the fruit, just kind of, it's good. Yeah. This yeah, one's I joke, so I joke with my I joke with my wife when we're talking about wines. She's like, yeah, this one's like dry. I'm like, I like my liquids wet. Yeah. I don't want to dry. <laughs> Get this dry stuff out of here. <laughs> so, yeah, but now I like a good cider. I haven't, had, I haven't bought ciders in a long time. I went through a cider kick, and I think I just got, I got sick of them. I drank them so much, so <laughs> I have to hop back on that saddle. We, we, we have some really good cideries in my area. Uh, there's a couple that have won, like, national awards and, and whatnot, and... Ah, oh, they they get really dangerous really quick because you'll we'll go to a uh, uh, basically like a beer fest or a cider fest or something like that, and you'll go, oh yeah, let's taste the the latest cider, and you'll you'll get a little two ounce taster and take a sip of that, and like, oh that's really pleasant, like I'd drink that like mm -hmm. after mowing the lawn or something like that, and they go, yeah, that one's yep. fourteen and a half percent. Uh oh, <laughs> it's too late. Oh, I'm committed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hey, can I have another? I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, really. So yeah, we, no, we are so spoiled here with cideries and breweries and wineries. Like I'm right in the middle <laughs> of all of them in my area. Uh, there is yeah, a, we... uh, quite the winery, quite the vineyard that is uh, literally like a mile and a half from my house. There's uh, there's Willamette Vineyards right off I five that is world renowned as far as uh, as wines go so many good places yeah we uh we got mexican food barbecue and um guns that's what we have in texas yeah that's about it <laughs> we have a couple of little wineries and stuff i've been out to uh past past austin fredericksburg is like the biggest wine city yeah wine town yeah uh, i've been out there they have some good stuff but like Nothing, nothing crazy. Yeah, a decent beer scene down here. I mean, so a couple of smaller breweries around here make some decent stouts. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of nice hot, hazy IPAs, but mm -hmm. eh, not bad. Yeah, I've been, I've been down to Texas a couple of times, and yeah, there, there's a definitely a decent beer scene down there. So yeah, really, really couldn't complain when I was there because they told me I yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't gonna complain around here, boy. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Mike chiming in with a 
$50 super chat. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, how's it going? Uh, hope this helps with the new studio. Also, I bought one of the bricks, but had an old email stuck as the order. Any chance I can get the future email about the second brick sent to a different email? Uh, if you email merch at craftcomputing.net that should have been the invoice email that was sent to you uh if you respond to that email or just start a new one merch at craftcomputing.net uh that is who is handling the uh all the orders and things like that uh yes we can probably get that sorted out um if you did buy a brick we're not offering the physical bricks yet but uh like I said in the post, sometime around August, we will be sending out an email where we are going to get shipping addresses and offer for $5 to send you a copy of your brick that will be put in my studio. So there you go. Craftcomputing.store. Uh, we haven't talked about my new store at all yet. Uh, yeah, you got some big stuff going on. Yes. Uh, so we launched a new store, uh, did a soft launch on Monday, but officially launched it yesterday. And uh, uh, the cool thing about this is it's 100% in-house. Uh, we're not outsourcing anything. If you email merch, it's just a way to email me uh, <laughs> or, or my wife. My wife is, is handling a lot of that. Um, but we are sourcing, verifying quality, laser engraving producing all of our own stuff uh and so all of a sudden i'm a logistics and a retail company and i i swore i would never ever work retail again yet here i am uh but uh we are offering some fantastic things on the site uh and in fact i'm drinking out of one of the pints that we received that is going to be up for sale here shortly uh so we're we're trying as best as we can to get good quality glassware, not not super cheap stuff, not thin glass. Uh, so I got this pint in. I'm very, very happy with this. Nice thick bottom, very, very heavy glass. And I am currently working on a design to, to fit this glass. Uh, so I'm actually hoping by Friday or Saturday to have a new design posted and to be offering those on the site. So make sure you pay attention there. Obviously, we've got our... Our rocks glasses with craft computing logo on them. We've got whiskey stones, coasters. Holy crap, coasters have been flying off the shelf. I think we sold 160 coasters or something like that. That's insane. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I cannot thank you guys enough for jumping onto the store. Um, and obviously the announcement video was, yes, we are building Craft Studios 3.0. Uh, we're looking at building somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 square feet of, of building to house Craft Computing. Uh, that'll, that'll encompass the, the merch store. That'll encompass uh, workshop space for case mods and development of products, as well as multiple shooting areas and, and a dedicated editing area. One of the most difficult things, and I didn't elaborate this on uh, about this much in the video, is the desk that I'm sitting at right now is also the desk that I film videos at. It's also the desk that I test products at. It's also the desk that I do talking heads from. It's also the desk that I respond to emails from. It's also the desk that I sit here for like nine to 10 hours a day. And the problem is I can only work on one thing at a time. It is mm -hmm. so difficult to transition from like, okay, I've got 
my test bench up here and I'm benchmarking a GPU, but while that's running its thing, I'd really like to be, you know, testing out this new network switch or doing this. Other. Where am I going to do that? <laughs> like, I don't have the space to set all that up. This is a 200 square foot office and, and there's two people in here. Uh, so there's not enough room to run the business or make content or do benchmarking or do testing or writing or let alone developing the things that I also want to develop. Uh, I, I'd love to start doing much more merchandise and even getting into like PC cases and things like that as far as like chic and boutique style things. Uh, so yeah, getting more space is absolutely a must. Uh, best way you can support yeah. me craftcomputing.store buy anything on there uh, we've actually got uh, I think we're, we're offering things at very reasonable pricing especially considering uh, before we had another company handling my merch for me and so we said yeah just throw my logo on things and, and, and whatnot. and I, I did have some design influence and, and things that I wanted to see on there but um it was like $20 for a pint glass. And of that, I'd receive like $1.75 if I sold one. And it's like, well, who's making money in this situation? Because it's definitely not me. Um, and they were what we needed at the time to, to fill that need to, to get merch out there and things like that. But now I can offer pints at half of that and make three to four times what I was making per pint glass on the old site. So now you guys can buy two pint glasses and and now I'm making actually a decent profit to make it worth my time to invest into merch and things like that. So yes, if you want to support the channel, craftcomputing.store. That's that's why lttstore.com is mentioned twice in every video because it makes up one third of LTT's revenue. And uh, hopefully it'll do the same here. Yeah. yeah, I think it makes up like one third of my closet too. I feel like I have to rotate my freaking LTT shirts so I don't look like a huge shill that's in every right. single video I do right. but no, I don't I don't blame you for, for wanting to expand that's cr I, I know exactly what you're going through my old place my my work my office mm -hmm. was a desk my shooting studio was a desk my editing station was a desk in a tiny bedroom yep. which most of it was taken up by the desk itself the rest was taken up with shelving one camera, yep. an overhead cam, yep. and if I wanted to get back there, good luck. Like yeah. walking, stepping over wires, trying not to, <laughs> to hit the tripods. Like Right. Um, this is also our downstairs den, and it has mm -hmm. TV and a couple gaming systems and things like that, and a full couch. And the couch is wonderful because sometimes after talking heads, I'll grab my laptop and I'll go over there and we'll sit, sit there and I'll chat in the after party and... Some nights I'll crash there and just fall asleep. But mm -hmm. oftentimes my kids will come in and even while I'm working, they'll be able to sit on the couch, watch TV, hang out with dad and, and things like that. And so it's great. But at the same time, it's like there's a freaking couch in my studio. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to work here. Dang it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and this is my hangout room. This is my video room. This is my TV room. This is it's also got my 3D printer. It's also got like my arcade machine and yeah. there's just no room for all of it. And exactly. Let alone the work that I'm trying to do. So Yeah. Yep, yeah, more space is, is 
definitely welcome. Yeah. We moved in this place and I we had a theater room, a home theater room that is no longer a home theater room yeah. anymore. And all my friends, like when I was showing them the house, they're like, can't wait to come over and watch some, watch uh, football on Sundays, watch some movies. That home theater room's awesome. I'm like, it's not a, it's not a home theater yeah. room anymore. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know where you're coming from. That's going to be, do, do you have any idea of like, um, like how quickly you want to start, how often or how long? Uh, you we, we've think already, it's gonna we've take? already started, uh, uh, designing out some plans and, and talking to a couple contractors, uh, specifically for getting the foundation board. Cause that's going to be the biggest work that I'm not going to trust myself to do. Um, right. so on the side of my house, so there, um, we have a split level house and then on the back side of it, we have a garage and, uh, the garage is four feet sunken into the ground. Uh, my house is built into the side of a hill. Behind the garage is actually fairly flat. And so right beside the garage is a perfect space to just kind of level everything out and then build a building up on top of it that shares one wall with the garage that's gonna be four feet below it. Um, and so that's kind of the general plan. Um, uh, but as part of that, we need to pave from the sidewalk all the way back and then pour a foundation for the new place to sit on that will support a two-story thousand square foot building. Um, and again, the stretch goal is to also cut the roof off of my garage and build another 500 square feet on top of the garage. Um, so we've already drawn up some some basic plans. I've talked to a couple people, but the, the biggest impetus is starting to get contractors in here to start doing quotes for the foundation. Uh, because without that, I'm not going to trust myself to do it. Uh, because yeah. <laughs> that, that's like, I'll do my electrical, I'll do plumbing. I, I I'm, I'm decently enough experienced with that. And I have professionals that I can reach out to in the family yeah. or acquaintances or things like that. Think, Hey, can you just come double check my work before we put up the drywall? I'm totally yeah. fine with that. Concrete. No, yeah, you can't, and kind of, you can't redo it if you, if, if you did it and then you build something on top and you find out you did it wrong, yeah, good luck. Right. You can you can you can pull down some drywall and redo some electrical. It's exactly right. You, yeah. You can't you can't lift up your house and redo the concrete. Right. So, yeah, I don't so, blame so, yeah there, there's some things that I'm willing to do myself, and in fact, like I've I've done framing work, I've put in doors, I've put in windows, I've done insulation, I've done electrical, I've done plumbing. Uh, uh, I'm not I'm not saying it's easy to do, but at the same time, I have a certain amount of skill set that I could do that now the nice thing about the addition is this is just a shop build this is not a habitable space this is not anything that i need plumbing and an oven and a sink and everything else it's literally just going to be an expansion of my garage uh and mm -hmm. so as far as permitting goes it makes it a lot simpler uh and and as far as inspection goes it makes it a lot simpler as long as you're following electrical code and and building code you're fine i don't have to bring a plumber in i don't have to do all this other stuff uh, but you get the foundation wrong. There's no point to doing yeah. any of this. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do electrical. Electrical is scary, but it's it's very simple for the most part. Yeah, like you have 120 volt. You run your 120 volt to a breaker. Yeah, make sure 15 or 20 amps. Yep. Don't go over it. Like. Yep. Put as many as you want. Like that's it. Like right. Electrical is uh, really. Yeah. 
Uh, Scary, but simple. Yeah, it, it's the one thing that can kill you when you're building mm -hmm. your house, other than falling off your roof or something like that. But um, I'm not... I'm not moving my server rack out of the garage. The server rack's going to stay in the garage because we've already got two 20-amp, 120-volt circuits in the garage. Um, I don't want to have to redo all of my low-volt cabling and fiber. I'd rather just run some new lines over to the new space and uh, and maybe have an intermediary switch in the new office or something like that. Um, that just seems way simpler to not have to move all that infrastructure. Um, so beyond the server rack... What do I have? I have a couple workstations, and then I've got some power tools, which I'm only going to run one at a time. So I'm not going to run the saw and the drill press and, and my laser cutter and everything else all simultaneously, so I don't actually need that much amperage in the new studio. And all of my lighting is LED. My cameras run off 5 volt. My, like, there's not yeah. a lot that needs to be done there as far as you know electrical infrastructure goes, so... What do I need? Maybe three or four circuits? Like, it's, yeah. it's not a huge endeavor. Yeah, uh, for studio, I mean, unless you're running like big old Chungus lights and uh, editing station, <laughs> I mean, other than that, like. My, I mean, I've, I've got a big old Chungus editing station. It's It's got a 13900K and an RTX 3090. I've, I've got uh, my streaming PC, which is a 5950X and an RTX 3070. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll, they'll chooch along at 500 watts, but they're rarely choochin' along when the other one's choochin' along because I'm only one person. Right. Like, like I'm not asking the world of, of everything inside my office here. And, and if I was, holy crap, my air conditioning is not going to keep up. Uh, yep. So what do I need in the new studio? Uh, we're going to install a split unit that'll handle both the downstairs and upstairs of the new shop, as well as the the addition above the garage. That's, what, 3500 bucks plus a little bit of electrical work to run a 1,200-watt split unit. Like, it's not, it's not that intense. Um, and then I need, what, two circuits for, for the editing room, two circuits for the shop, you know, one one for lights and ancillary and one for the power tools. Because, again, we're not running all of the tools all at once. It's never going to be anything right. like that. It's literally me and maybe one other person in the shop, and we're not going to be <laughs> knocking everything out at yeah. the same time. So there's not that yep. much to do. And there's no plumbing. There's there's no, there's no toilet going in there. There's no sink. Like, we'll walk outside and usually walk back into the house to, to take care of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's probably easier to do that than to run plumbing and get totally is all that stuff. Yeah, like approved and and dealt with. Ugh. So yeah, yeah. No, that'll be yeah. And there's been a bunch be of people fantastic. asking me about zoning laws and things like that. Oregon is actually very lax, especially when it comes to shop builds. Because remember, this is not a home expansion and this is not a business expansion. This is a garage expansion. I'm building a shop. And uh, what I do in my shop is up to me. And you can run home uh, businesses out of your home so long as you are not a publicly facing business. I don't have customers coming to my house. And mm -hmm. so there's no other considerations to make. Um, this will be fully permitted. This will be fully inspected. This will be fully above bore. I'm not just going to like start digging one day. Uh, like uh, I'm, I'm definitely not that guy. But as, as far as zoning requirements, um, my city, my county, and to the larger extent, my state, very, very easy to work through those processes. 
Yeah, it makes everything a lot easier mm -hmm. when it's not a nightmare to deal with all the and no HOA paperwork. I will, oh, there I will you go. Never buy a house with an HOA attached. Well, that's a huge one because yeah. doing all that with an HOA would be a absolute right. nightmare. Well, I don't want to look at your two-story garage. That just seems like something I didn't sign up for. Yeah, we'll look the other way. Yeah. I'm sorry. Where does your property end? Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Just checking. Yep. I got an HOA, but luckily they're pretty lax when it comes to HOAs. It's pretty... They, they don't seem to really yeah. enforce too much. I mean, lawns is about the only thing they yeah, really I, care about. My neighbor did, like, redid their roof, mm -hmm. and uh, they they hired someone, they got it completely redone, and then they went to the HOA, and they were like, hey, we, uh, we got a roof done. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, yeah, whatever. It's I'm not fine. taking it off, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's on there. Yeah. It, We're not putting the old one back on. HOAs definitely can serve a very constructive purpose for neighborhoods, uh, particularly when it comes to maintaining property values and, and mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, upkeeping and making sure that public works things happen within their neighborhood, make sure streets are clean and, gr and garbage is picked up and you have parks that are available for kids and, and everything looks nice and pretty and neat. And But you get one retired Karen who gets the smallest amount of power and so help you God. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep. Uh, Mike sends over a $10 super chat and I think I struck a nerve. Uh, there's no such thing as owning a house in an HOA. You're just renting with extremely expensive upfront costs. Yeah. it's It, it ranges from really lax HOAs yeah. that are HOAs that'll make you cut your grass if you if you leave it too long and make sure no one's painting their house like yeah. tie-dye. And then there's the HOAs where, you know, oh, I wanted to put a new door on my house i I'm wanted sorry, to that put a new mailbox is not approved exactly you are yeah. already at the two shrub limit my my friend who just bought a house up north of me in a in like a brand new neighborhood um they have a really strict hoa and he was talking about how there was like uh requirements for his front yard like um shrubbery yeah it was like this isn't up to you need one more to balance this out i was like are you trolling Right. Like, no, they actually told me, like, I need to put in another. I'm like, no, oh no, my God. You, no, you need to maintain two hanging baskets, three shrubs, and one tree. Yeah, that's that's a little much. <laughs> I will say, I did almost put an offer in on a house with an HOA attached, but it came with some very fringe benefits. Uh, so we went and looked at this house, and it was a 2,400 square foot house. That came with an attached hanger. That's, that's, you don't see that very much. I don't uh, even know if that's an option on Zillow. It, it is a community that developed around an airport. And uh, so you have the house and then you have, you know, a nice two or three car garage. And then you also get a half acre with your own hanger. Uh that is literally right behind your house and uh you can do whatever you want with the hangar but it's meant for people who like own cessnas and want to fly and right. you know want to like have their morning coffee and then go fly their plane like that's what the community was designed around um 
I was looking at it from the YouTuber standpoint of like, how freaking cool would it be to have a 4,000 square foot shop? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, holy hanger. crap. And uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be so cool. we actually got down to, to looking at putting in an offer on this place. The HOA was $660 per, huh? per month. Oh, shit. Because you maintain the airport. You, uh, you employ the air traffic controller. You maintain the tarmac. You, you. I don't. I don't want to do that. Right. It was so. It was like yeah. now, if you want a plane, that I makes guess. total yeah. sense. And and if you look at like hangar rental fees and and everything else, like that's a freaking bargain. If you just want to like store your plane at your house and then be able to fly to work or something like that, um, like it makes total sense. But for someone who's looking at using the property for something else, 660 was a little hard to swallow. Yeah, uh, that's, I wouldn't even know. I don't, I know planes are expensive, but yeah, that's, that's a little too steep for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can get, you can get some, some Cessnas that are down in the, you know, $20,000, $25,000 range that are really good running aircraft and everything else. And if you have your license and, and everything else, you got to pay to store the plane somewhere and hangers are pretty limited availability and you know buying a house with a hanger attached to it is a pretty darn good deal i uh, can see what how it'd be beneficial with that as a that is a niche uh market you've you've put yourself in uh, right with there um, but I, I can see how it'd be extremely beneficial right and so like we we still even after the hoa fees were announced we're like i'm still thinking about it I'm yeah. not saying no. Right. <laughs> I might get my pilot license. Who knows? Right, right. It might maybe, be worth it. maybe down the road we, we'll Yeah, we don't we don't know. Get into that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh yeah, let's see. Uh uh planes are like boats. Bring out another thousand. Yeah. Uh tracking Elon's plane twenty four seven. No, I wanted to just fly from airport to airport, like harassing him on the tarmac. That'd be that'd be my side gig. Tell he pays you a couple of thousand dollars to stop. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. T tell you what, I'm going to land behind you on the tarmac. And if you want to pay me like four grand to not post that I just did that, I paid for my trip. Cool. There you go. Where are we going next? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put, me, put me on retainer. Put me on your payroll. Yeah. Uh, Michael chimes in with a membership chat. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, May 1st, 19 year anniversary. The years go by so fast. Enjoy the time you have. Uh, first off, congratulations on 19 years. Holy crap. Um, I say holy crap like it's that far away from me, but I've been married 17 years next month. So I'm, I'm just barely behind you. Uh, out of like all of my friend group, uh, Steve El Polo Diablo, who's uh, another co-host here on Talking Heads, he's the only friend that I have who's been married longer, uh, and uh, he's been married like twenty-four years. Like, he shared his birth date with me the other the other week because uh, we're flying to L.A. in a couple of weeks, and and uh, I'm like, wow, wow, okay. <laughs> 20, 24, um, let's say we'll be at, we'll be at one year in two weeks. Nice. So that's, uh, Congratulations. Hit the, thanks. Hit the, the, the one milestone. You got to start with one. That's right. To get you, up you into gotta the, start with one to make the double depth. You got to start. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So, yeah, no, I got married all the way back in 2006. Uh, 2000, what was I doing in 2006? I was... I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, I was... I was I'm, I'm glad I didn't get married in 2006. Let's just say that. You... I, I have almost as much gray in my beard as you do. Mine's mine's blending a little bit more, but <laughs> yeah, my uh, my hair decided to leave my head, and my beard decided to go gray. Yeah, at uh, to make me look older. Yeah, for some wild reason. I I, I will I don't say know why. I will say it's a good look. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. But uh... I, I, I I like to make myself feel better by saying I. I look older so maybe i'll just stay looking this age for a long time the, the really nice thing about aging quickly is uh-huh. it is like you have a miserable 25 to 30 going like oh god i'm going to die next year, or something like that but then yep. all of a sudden you're like but i'm gonna look like this for the next 50 years for, that's not exactly. a bad deal uh-huh yep that's what i tell myself every morning yeah, when the, i look in the mirror yeah you're, you're the keanu reeves of uh of YouTube. <laughs> oh, perfect. I'll, I'll I'll put that in the description of every YouTube video I, I put out now. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I did warn my wife that uh, now, but both my grand, my, both my grandpa and my great grandpa had full heads of hair like into their nineties. But I also warned my wife. I said, if it starts to fade, I am not going to fight it. I'm I, if I wake up one morning and I get too much hair coming off in my hand, I'm going to take a razor to it that day and you'll never see it again because I'm not going to be that guy. That's that's the the thing I think everyone like struggles with because I started losing my hair when I was like probably sophomore in college. It started early yeah, and yeah. like you know, something I, I didn't really notice it for a while and I was like, "Oh shit, dude." Uh, and then goes on for years and years and yeah. you kind of just deal with it and then the it, it was it was a i remember a specific event uh we had a work event uh-huh. and um i don't know some like i don't know group thing and they were taking pictures for it and um they sent out all the pictures after like hey everyone's a fun event check out the pictures and there's a picture of me like bent over and just that, and that the top of my back. head <laughs> Oh my God. I was like that, that night I went home and just shaved my head and, yep. and didn't look back. Yep. I was like, Oh my God, I can't be that guy. I, I have a friend who was almost that exact, like started losing his hair about 22, 23. And, uh, yeah. and like 30 years later, he's still just straight razors it like every morning. And, uh, but yeah. he, he goes, I, I woke up one morning and I looked in the mirror and I went, Oh my what am I? T- what? And yeah. goes, Nope. And uh, and I, I told my wife I'm gonna do the same thing. Now my <laughs> forehead does get a little taller every year, but but yeah. I've been growing my hair longer so I can kind of like floof it up a little bit and yeah. whatnot. But it was, uh, it's gonna reach a point. There's gonna be a it, bald Jeff it, on the screen. Yeah, what happened? It is one of those things like there wasn't a like set instance until there was. So it was always kind of like I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. Right. Then there was that one instance where I was like. That's it. <laughs> Game over. Yep. Or I'd rather be bald than balding. Yes. So and that was that was the end of that. It's a great way to put it. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. 
Ah, speaking of video evidence of things that we regret, OBS can now stream in AV1. Uh, So this has been something that, especially as like content creators, especially as people who are like, I'm live streaming right now. uh, We have been waiting for the other shoe to drop on AV1 for a couple of years now. Uh, AV1 is in no way related to x265 or h264 which are the two most popular codecs that are on the market um when it comes to video uh compression uh the video stream that's coming out of my camera right now is something like 120 megabit or something like that over hdmi it's being delivered to your eyeballs at about seven and a half megabit because it's being compressed it the 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 color field is being compressed. The visible colors are being compressed. Uh, it's only changing when there's motion on the screen. So my background, it doesn't have to update ever uh, because the pixels are the same frame to frame to frame. Uh, and so it just kind of ignores those until it needs to update them. That's how a lot of video compressions work. Um, but H.264, X.265, they they have their limitations and the bitrate that we can stream at comes at the expense of video quality. We're getting compressed colors. We're getting artifacts of compression. AV1 works quite a bit differently, where every single frame is fully updated, but uh, it's using as much of the color palette as it possibly can. It's it's updating all of the background and all of the, the edge features in every single frame, but it's also like four to six times as efficient as X265 at encoding each individual frame. It means it's easier to play back if you have proper decoding equipment, and it's easier to transmit if you have proper encoding equipment. So you're watching me right now at 1080p at about seven and a half megabit per second. Imagine if you could watch me at 4K60 with better color and fidelity at six megabit. That's what AV1 is going to deliver. So if you are at all interested in broadcast technology, streaming technology, uh, being able to shoot a camera feed somewhere, AV1 is something to pay attention to. Uh, And OBS, the program that's bringing you this stream right now, as of version 29.1, can use pretty much every single native AV in one encoder there is. They can use AMDs, they can use Intels, they can use NVIDIAs. Uh, Now you need to have either a lightning fast CPU, which even on a 5950X, I didn't want to chance it tonight, although I did upgrade to 29.1 this evening, Uh, but I still have a 3070. I know, woe is me. but uh, only 4,000 series NVIDIA cards and 7,000 series AMD cards or Intel's Alchemist GPUs. The, the A380, the A750, the A770 have AV1 hardware encoding built in. So unless you have one of those cards, uh, you're going to be on the outside looking in, uh, at least when it comes to transmitting that content. Uh, 3,000 series... NVIDIA cards do have AV1 decoders. And so if you needed to play back AV1 encoded video, it's going to work way better for you than it would on a CPU dependent system. 
Uh, but what that means for all of you is better quality live streams, live streams in particular, uh, coming from your favorite content creators. Uh, so I'm hoping within the next couple of weeks that maybe I'll switch to my, my A770 card and maybe I'll try slinging some AV1 your way and see if it works. Maybe we'll be broadcasting in 4K here shortly. Uh, but uh, this is going to be absolutely huge when it starts to be supported both on Twitch and on YouTube because right now, especially with fast-moving content, MPEG compression, that is X265, H264, doesn't deal well at lower bit rates with rapidly changing images. Uh, you end up with your MPEG compression, your... Uh, uh, you know, Hank Hill saying, do I know, look what I know, what an MPEG is. Uh, it, it's the blockiness that you get in video compression because it goes, oh, this this square right here doesn't change. So I'm just going to mask that off real quick because I don't have to worry about it. But it lowers the quality of your video stream overall. Uh, <laughs> and the more motion you have, the more color data you have, the more compressed it has to make it to fit within a certain bit rate. AV1 doesn't suffer from those deficiencies. So if you watch a lot of Twitch, if you watch, watch a lot of game streams, a lot of live streams, this is going to be huge moving forward. Yeah, agreed. Um, like you said, not only for the, the high end, being able to stream 4K 60 FPS at a lower bit rate, but because um, some people still in the United States and all around the world don't have you know, high-speed internet connection. Mm -hmm. So being able to stream those lower 1080p, 720p, at even lower bit rates. Yeah, getting down to like two is, and a half meg or, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, with the and still getting a quality stream. stream. Right. Yeah, like when you're on like uh, your hotspot or something, you open up a Twitch stream and it defaults to like 30, 30, 360p. Yeah. And it literally looks like a blocky stop motion. Uh, with AV1, hopefully even with those lower bandwidths and lower... Um, um, internet speeds, you can still get decent streaming. Yeah. So I know YouTube is, is big into it, and, and I believe they've announced that they're officially supporting it or soon to be officially supporting it. They've been rolling um, it out. They support it, but don't official. Right. They've been it's rolling it official. out in a, in a beta program over the last six mm -hmm. weeks or so uh, for those who who want to sling <laughs> AV1. Uh, Epos Vox, again, we mentioned his name because uh, anything associated with aspect ratio or bit rates, he's got his name on. Uh, Epos Vox uh, actually did a whole breakdown both of YouTube's AV1 as well as the benefits of streaming in AV1 when and if they come available. Um, and so if you want more information on that, check the link in the description. Go check out Epos Vox's video. It is absolutely fantastic on why this is going to be such a big deal. Yeah, in a, it's, in, a it's, in a voice that's an octave lower than I can deliver it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I know it's one of those things. It's it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around because once you start getting into different codecs and mm -hmm. and compression algorithms and stuff, it's it's very easy to get lost in the weeds. Yeah, because um, when you hear like oh H two six four H two six five NVENC decoders, yeah. you know transcoding encoding, uh, now AV one. It's like. What are you talking about? Right. But yeah, I think you summed up pretty well, basically. AV1 is going to allow you to get a better quality with a lower bit rate, meaning mm -hmm. less data is required. 
to get better performance. Correct. So at the end of the day, that's kind of all you need to know. Yeah. So it's it's going to be it's going to be solid. Yeah. E even if you only watch 1080p streams, your 1080p streams are either going to a consume a quarter of the bandwidth that they do today or B, have less artifacting, less compression, higher color, higher fidelity, higher frame rates than you can get them now at the same bit rate. Uh, right. And so it, it is a markably better codec than, than H.265. Um, it has so many benefits on top of just higher fidelity and higher and higher efficiency, uh, especially if you deal heavily with NVIDIA. So definitely going to be something fun. Uh, as they roll that out. And Twitch, I don't think Twitch has even made any statement about supporting it, have they? They have not. not. They have not. Yeah. Um, That's... So right now, Twitch even limits uh, stream <laughs> uploads to 6 megabit, which even for 1080 60 content is pretty restrictive. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I do 1080 30 content here on the channel. Again, there's mm -hmm. not a lot of fast motion or anything like that. And it seems to be pretty good, but I upload at seven and a half megabit. I can't imagine yeah. trying to do five or six megabit at 1080-60 to get- Yeah, a, especially if you're a streamer playing like a, a high FPS game. Right, like, do, doing a Twitch shooter. It, there's yeah. a reason a lot of Twitch streams look pretty god awful sometimes. Right, move over to Kick, dude. Is Kick, Kick gonna uh, support AV1? Uh, I haven't heard, but maybe. Uh, I yeah, if. I, if they're serious, then yes, they should. <laughs> yeah, I've been following all the kick stuff. It's just yeah. hilarious how that came about. Yeah. The whole streamer uh, uh, drama yeah. essentially came out of like gambling. For anybody that doesn't know the whole background, haven't heard of kick. Kick basically got spun up as a Twitch rival uh, because Twitch basically brought down the hammer on not allowing gambling streams on Twitch anymore. Right. And so one of the biggest gambling streamers, uh, Trainwrecks TV, uh, who's made lots of money through uh, gambling sponsorships on Twitch, basically moved over and became an ambassador for Kick.com, which is a streaming site that allows not anything goes, but uh, now gambling. Right. And uh, yeah, and it turns out Kick is owned by a online gambling website, stake.com. Shocking, right? Well, well, of course they're okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought that yeah. a uh, a gambling online casino would I, like gambling content on their own streaming platform? I, I can't get over so much of the double speak in, in this country about what's okay and what's not. Uh, because it's like, oh, I, I love the NFL. Well, why do you love the NFL? Well, the games are really compelling. No, it's the gambling. Like, yeah. th there's a reason that even ESPN does a whole thing with Scott Van Pelt on, on odds and picking overs and unders and things like that. It's because probably 40% of the draw to the NFL is the gambling aspect of the NFL. And, but, but we don't mention that in polite society. Uh, mm -hmm. Who yeah, gambling's how a, taboo. How a grown person wants to spend their money. Like, come on. Yeah, it's um, it's funny because probably like even as a little as five years ago, like gambling in the NFL, like sports, sports betting has always been big, but the yeah. NFL actually acknowledging it was like, yeah, no, we don't, we they don't. There's 
no one's betting on our games. We're we're professional. Right. And over the five years, something changed to where now there's like an official gambling platform of the NFL. Right. Like, they're fully endorsing gambling now. Turns out the NFL likes money. I would have thought. I, I, I love that the NFL was so anti-gambling for so long, even though mm-hmm. they had over-under odds on the length of Aretha Franklin's Star-Spangled Banner at the beginning of the Super Bowl. Uh, it's like, how can you be that big and not acknowledge the platform and what is truly making you successful and truly making you the number one sport? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it never it's, made sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for them to lean into it. I, I, it's funny, like the the hypocrisy of like I can't remember his name, wide receiver. I think for the Falcons got suspended an entire year for gambling on a oh, game, that, and like uh, the third was, is that Julio? No, no, um, no, one Julio. Um, I can't remember his name. He got spent an entire year for gambling. And then the next year, NFL announces like an official gambling sponsorship, and everyone's right. like, "Cool, yeah." Glad to see you uh, really enforcing that and really, yeah. really setting priorities there. Exactly right. But uh, yeah, that was a long-winded tangent to go off and say, "Yeah, AV one is going to be huge." AV one's going to be I've good. Something, the, something gambling is bad. Save your money. Yeah, I've, I've got the the. A uh, 77 or A770 uh-huh. that I haven't known what to do with yet, but now that AV1 starting to be officially supported by not only OBS but YouTube now, right? Might give me an excuse to actually use it for something. Yeah, that's kind of where um, I'm at too. Um, I actually tried to put my A770 into my streaming rig when I rebuilt it a couple of months ago, and uh, I fired it up only to realize that I still rely on NVIDIA Broadcast for some of my voiceover work. And uh, uh, I went, well, there goes that. And so I pulled it out like within an hour. Like I, I, I fired mm-hmm. up uh, uh, Audacity and I went, okay, let me go ahead and record this thing real quick for an ad read. And, and I went, oh, no NVIDIA broadcast. Well, screw that idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> out it came. But now I have, I have another PC that I can do my recording on, but maybe the A770 will live in this one next week. Who knows? Yeah, I bought the A770 like right on release date from Newegg. Mm-hmm. Got it shipped in. I was like, I'm gonna do all this like cool stuff with it. I make videos on it, put it in my PC, and I couldn't do anything. A- AV1 hadn't even been supported on anything right. when that got released. So I'm like, what am I even gonna do with this thing? Like, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> right. I can make a, I can make a video like, oh, why did I buy this with the YouTube face, like, right. and make one of those. But right. I, I, I was like, ah. Eh. I'll wait until it can actually do something. Yep. Maybe get some use out of it. But I am looking forward like to the coming. day that we can consider Intel a full competitor in the marketplace. They're close. They are get they are scary close for a first gen product uh, of being a relevant player. At that, I think the A770 is going for like 280 now. Like um, it's still a fantastic deal. Uh, mm-hmm. You just have to be aware of like the first gen bugs, kind of like we were with first gen Ryzen, where we were like, "Oh, Ryzen's a player now." Ooh, yeah. hope you don't yeah. like memory speed. Uh, yeah, in very specific scenarios, right. it does uh, in the in the bar charts, it does stack up to the others, but right. in some others, it does not. Yeah, if, if you're happy yeah, like with eighty percent being good and twenty percent being like, "Oh God, why did I ever switch?" It's yeah. a fantastic. What's the, 
what's the, the the thing with Arc uh, Intel? Like it doesn't it doesn't run DirectX nine or something? It doesn't run. It, it runs DirectX nine. It's just terrible at it because yeah, you have okay. to you have to remember that AMD and Nvidia have twenty years experience uh, writing drivers for DirectX nine and making sure that all their instructions make sense. Uh, Intel. Yeah has some experience writing for DirectX 9. Obviously, they ran integrated graphics for forever and, and are not new to the GPU market, uh, but they're new to the high-performance GPU market. Right. And this is a brand-new architecture. So do you focus on DX9 in development? No, you do DX12 first, which is what they did. And in DX12, they're very competitive. Uh, in, yeah. in DX10 and 11, eh, like, your mileage may vary in DX9. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, in terms of first-gen products, like you said, it's, it's pretty good. I think uh, first-gen, I think Apple spoiled us when they with the M1 stuff oh, that yeah. came out. And I, was, I was fully on the boat like, oh, my God. Apple's about to take a step back. Yep. Their stuff's going to suck for a while. Switching to ARM, their own house-built chips. Like, new architecture. Day like, one made me a believer yeah. like holy i crap. i was shocked i i've had them i've had two m1 laptops since then uh-huh like i i can't believe how and from I, yeah I, like you said day one right it's I, been I, nuts i'm still on both of my first gen so i i've i've got a 13 inch macbook pro m1 and i've got a mm -hmm. mac mini m1 and base yeah. models eight gigs, still eight gigs 256 like they're they're not even the beefed up ones they're not you know they don't have a ton of memory or anything like that holy crap yeah like they're insane they're still daily I, drivers and for a first gen product they're remarkable yeah i i had the m1 macbook air and i was at i was like on the go like editing on that yeah no problem and handled it but i the only reason i upgraded is because i wanted a bigger screen because I was getting tired of trying to edit on a 13-inch screen, so I wanted the 16. Mm -hmm. So I got the M1 Pro version, and that thing's just a freaking beast. Yeah, like it's it's crazy what they've done with that. And like I know we're we're still in the it, Apple's overpriced and Apple's just a luxury item type. I know that was that's been a a stereotype for a long time, and just it, it used to be pretty true. But at this point, yeah. There's a lot of bad things about Apple, but damn, do they make a but performance some solid is computers? Not one of them. <laughs> yeah, it's that that surprised me. Yeah. So that that uh, real quick uh, that brought me to this question I had written down is: Do you sure. think you can do this real quickly? Yeah, uh, speaking of M1 and ARM getting so popular, um, growing in not only consumer and home lab stuff mm -hmm. raspberry pi is obviously sold out can't make enough right, right um and m1 being so powerful do you think uh apple ventures back into like the enterprise world with m whatever number of servers do you think that's a possibility i don't think so um from the outset you have to look at where apple has found all of their success uh and so Apple was very much in the late 90s when Steve Jobs came back. They introduced the, the iMac G3, the, the color rainbow shell iMacs and whatnot. They were very much 
stopping focusing on business and education and very much focusing on consumer. Uh, in 2001, they launched the iPad or the iPod and iTunes. Uh, in 2006, 2007, they announced the iPhone. In 2010, it's the iPad, uh, and and so on and so forth. And through the years, they have been less and less supportive of enterprise and large business and things like that, and very focused on personal computing. Um, and I don't think that goes away. I, I think they found all of their success kind of as a boutique, but also really powerful personal computer. And, and I don't think you need to look much further than Apple's enterprise programs uh, for, uh, for LDAP or for, for other protocols that would be useful in, inter in an enterprise situation and, and go, they're laughably incomplete. Like that, they were they always lagged behind. If you looked at like LDAP in like two thousand three or two thousand six or something like that, they were never mm -hmm. great. They worked, but right. they weren't great. Now, <clears throat> boy, you'd be hard pressed to argue against Active Directory in favor of an Apple iCloud environment, uh, and I and that's even I for organizations that. that are moving away from Active Directory. Uh, yeah. So, do they enter the enterprise again? hard pass because they found so much success and so much revenue to be had in the consumer space, which is really weird for an IT company. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree pretty much with everything you said. Apple's known as a consumer mm -hmm. brand, but to play devil's advocate, the only thing I would say is now that they are making their own chips and they have such a, uh, a strong presence in a a new and emerging technology with ARM. Mm -hmm. And I know there's there's ARM-based enterprise servers, but that that's relatively a relatively small market right now. Right. And with the amount of manufacturing they're doing just for consumer ARM chips, it's the only reason I could see them even remotely getting back in is the fact that they are now very strongly making their hardware in a market that can potentially the grow the one thing that i could see apple jumping back into a server space with would be because their x86 to arm translation layer has been so strong uh mm -hmm. where it's as fast as some of the fastest native chips that run x86 x64 um in translating to an arm environment is you might be able to run a hybrid arm x64 environment with all of your existing code and slowly transition over to a more efficient interface uh or more efficient architecture uh that mm -hmm. is specifically designed for your instruction sets. uh i think there's a lot of value to be had there in the enterprise and server space but whether or not apple wants to capitalize on that or continue putting all their assets into consumer yeah no i don't i in the day, if I was a bet man, I'd say no, but right. I, I like the idea of of seeing it happen, because why not? I'm not paying for it. Right. <laughs> I don't lose money if it fails. Yeah. So. Anyway, it is 8 o'clock. It is, uh, I think, time to bring this show to a close. Uh, Ray Dowell, thank 
you so much for joining yes, me. Sir. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh, make sure to subscribe to Raid Owl over on YouTube. His uh, links are down in the video description. As for me, make sure to drop this video a like. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. And uh, as always, we'll see you next week. Cheers, everyone.